Today is June 19th. We have not one, but two former NFL superstars in DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook as NFL free agents, ready to destroy the fantasy value of incumbent wide receivers running backs across the league. Today, we'll break it all down and more. This is ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Can you story? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another edition of ADP Chasing. We're joined today by my former co-host, Connor O'Driscoll. Oh, Connor, I might be kicked off side chasing. Yeah. Guess that's that's just, you guys are Jesus. Well, well, yeah, sorry to break it to you like this. Tough but, scene uh, for you, Connor. That's uh <laughs> <laughs> former as in the show is you know taking a temporary hiatus, but um... <laughs> <laughs> did he ask you about this pot? Yeah, no, I, I recommended it's... he do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's coming above from above Pat even. Yeah, it wasn't his choice, yeah. but <laughs> all right, what a start. Amazing start. We're here. We uh we we got a bunch of old guys who are still inexplicably being drafted high. It feels uh I mean, at this point, with with the rumors that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not being allowed to leave the greater Massachusetts area without a contract, he, he just feels like spicy, expensive Juju Smith-Schuster to me at, at wide receiver 19 ADP. It's interesting because I've seen some people be in on him. I think Denny Carter was saying he was in on him. Jake, Jacob did like a, a whole post. So Jacob was down. in on him? He why Explaining why why being what's, a Patriot What's the evidence is, that he's like much worse than prime nuke? They, that he, I don't think cut, that he got cut. My, my evidence <laughs> would be that he got cut. That is a relevant data point. It, I will, like it I just, will say it that. just, I got, we, we do this thing and we're doing it with DeAndre Swift too, where when a team decides your services are no longer needed, we, we come up with reasons why another team would want your services. But the, the bottom line is, is Davis, where's your Elijah Moore exposure at? Hey, a team, a team wanted him and I haven't been taking him. I haven't, I honestly have not, okay. I, it's, it's gone way down. Uh, he actually has gotten correspondingly more expensive as people realize they don't want to click on Alan Lazard yeah. or Jameson Williams or Juju Smith. That's what's happened like, to me. I started taking him more because of that. That's that's what it was a structural thing why I was taking him to begin with. But where I'm at on both Hopkins and Dalvin is that if those are the guys that like if you if you send me my year end summary of why I didn't win the stupid three point five million dollars and it was because I lost because the people who were on Hopkins and Cook were right. I accept that as a reason why I didn't win. You know, I, they, I thought they were on the record of saying, "Oh, hey, we uh, we we went into this season expecting him to play for us, but then apparently he doesn't want to." And but but shouldn't there be a team willing to give up a third round pick for his services, right? And and it's even more worrying. I don't I that, don't think the game is like, maybe that's maybe that's fair. It's maybe, maybe, maybe it, like the Derek Carr situation, right? Like obviously sure, the sure. Raiders should have been able to get a draft pick for Derek Carr, but once they make it clear that they're going to cut him, then the team doesn't have the incentive to do it. So it could sure. be it could be along those lines. Is this the only yeah, why show would I where trade I can for say that I don't contract think Game Theory can... supports that, and it just makes sense? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can give – I think to, like, be fair to Hopkins, if you look at his stats from last year, he still was flashing, like, top 12 wide receiver status. Like, 26% targets per route run. That was eighth amongst wide receivers with over 200 routes. 2.0 yards per route run. That's a top 20 number. 13 half PPR points per game. Again, top top 10 number there. So, what he was doing last year still, I think, justifies him at that ADP. I think it is a fair question, though, of, you know, whatever situation he lands in now, um, you know, potentially on the Patriots in a low volume offense, you know, potentially being the wide receiver two on a team like the Browns or maybe, the, you know, even the Chiefs or Bills. I, I think I'm more in on him than than you are, Davis. Like, I I don't know. I've been clicking him when he falls a couple picks, which he has been recently. The Browns, the Browns he would be... I would be in on him there because I think he he probably just the routes he runs he's going to be like a really good volume role with Watson um, and he would obviously kill Elijah Moore dead I mean Elijah Moore would be like undraftable if Hopkins was on the team yeah I also think I would think he'd be the favorite to be the wide receiver one I mean I think yes. him yeah. reuniting with Deshaun Watson I mean Amari yeah, Cooper probably. We weren't even interested in Mari Cooper last year. You know, he had a, right. a surprisingly good year, but um, yeah, I think he'd probably work ahead of Cooper. Be one A one B thing probably, but yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, the other concerning thing is it's June nineteenth. The season starts in eighty days. He's had all these free agent visits. We've heard nothing about the Bills or the Chiefs, the teams that should most be willing to pay. We actually got a half guy. heard about the Bills, which is that they're unlikely. Because of cap reasons, so that's he's not going to the Bills, I don't think. For for fantasy, what do we want better? Because you know Hopkins is probably dealing with this this thing right now. Like this is the the conversation him and his management are having. Do we sign a one year prove it deal with a good team? Do we care about winning a championship, or do we want to get all of our money? Do we want do is what what's more important? You know, being in a winning situation or getting the money? Because the teams that can give him the money are not winning situations, right? Like the fact that he was willing to take a fucking free agent meeting with the Tennessee Titans, where I, I mean, best case, what do they win? Like eight, nine games, maybe? Like it, it's that is a bad football team. And him taking meetings with them seems to me that it would be more about the money. And those are going to be situations where the team level stuff is not going to favor him. I think the Patriots one's pretty good fit in terms of if they're willing to pay him a little bit more. I don't know exactly yeah. what's on the table, but right. <clears throat> that's not going to be like a winning team, obviously, in the sense of like, you know, him going to the Chiefs would be. But um, with Hopkins there and an offensive coordinator, they do strike me as the type of team that could like be way more frisky on offense than we would have thought, you know, in January. And if, if it's kind of correlated, I think, as well, in that like, if Hopkins is good, if Hopkins is like close to where he was at his peak, like he dominated even in terrible offensive situations already. Like yes. it wasn't one of his best Texans years with like three quarterbacks. Like I can't, can't even yeah. remember. Like I know so he should just he, yeah. he should he should have just stayed and played with Clayton Tune then. Should, if, he, if it's about if it's about the money. Just stay, just stay in Arizona and get 150 Clayton Tune targets. <laughs> well, they cut him. And I do think there is like some risk with the age. Maybe not necessarily performance decline, but uh, we're just talking about the show that we're all generally the same age. 
and not that we're comparing with athletes, but I've definitely felt more pain than uh, I did when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. I played not pickleball that Saturday and Sunday, and uh, <laughs> I'm spent. That was it. That's <laughs> <laughs> not not that it actually means anything, but you do get a, you, players do tend to get injured more likely to be injured the older they get. So that is a factor. He's 31. <clears throat> I would be more concerned if he was showing a decline. In fact, in 2021, he did kind of decline a little bit. Uh, yards per hour and dropped to 1.76 from 2.25 the year before. Um, he was kind of being used a little bit more downfield and wasn't drawing targets at all that high of a rate. Um, so it was like a little concerning that maybe he but was he like decline. But he like came back, though. That's the, that's the interesting back. thing is that he yeah. came back and was good. Yeah. And then I there's that other element of the PED suspension and like how much uh, how much did that factor into whatever he had going on? You know, because PEDs are about recovery. It's about getting your body. Speaking of the aging stuff, it's about going from you know seventy percent recovery to eighty five percent recovery. Like literally, like getting oxygen back to your muscles faster because your body's ability to so do that. So then we should want him to go to the Patriots. Yes, it'll be great point. He can That's cheat. true. Yeah. So <laughs> to the, I mean, to the premise of the show with ADP chasing, is there a landing spot that tanks it? Like of the popular landing spots, the ones that Titans. are thrown out. Titans. Um, Titans, Titans is the yeah. one that would tank it for you guys. But where would he land? He'd what, fall where would his a ADP lot. be? He'd go, where, he'd go where Godwin and Pittman go. I think that's right. But that's still not that far. I mean, that's early fifth. But also, but also think about what it would do to Burks. Bur Burks then would become a guy we could take all the time because we could just bet against the old guy and take Burks because Burks would get nuked. Bur Burks would drop back to where like Jameson Williams goes, I think. I think it'd be where Bateman is. Yeah, I was going to say where Bateman is. Bateman's still, yeah, a round yeah. and a half probably. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's the one like of all the other ones that have been thrown out so far. Even the Texans, right? I think the Texans is kind of similar to the Patriots where we don't expect the team to be good, but he could just absolutely dominate targets there. Like, I don't think he falls that much if he lands there. The Browns, I think he rises. The Bills and Chiefs, I think he rises, even though those are probably less likely at this point. Um, so, I, I don't the know. Chiefs, I, I the guess... Chiefs have no money. The Chiefs have no money to give anyone. They are so, they are so capped right. out. Um, I'm assuming Patriots at this point, and he falls into the mid to late fourth. I've been taking him. Um, yeah, you know, you also do correlate him then with the Bills. So if there's that one percent chance he does sign with the Bills, you have him like easily stacked. It's it's all part of the same game stack. So this this I, leads a lot of credence to our theory, by the way, that uh, that like betting on the Patriots having an offensive coordinator is one of the only edges right now in best ball is like legit. Like uh, one because obviously having Hopkins instead of Juju or Kendrick Bourne is good for you, but then two just that they're wanting to add talented players to the offense yeah. it's like is is lending credence to the theory that they'd like to score some points it'd be a good signal overall for sure i mean um, quarterback is so quarterback is so hard to acquire ceiling at like after anthony richardson goes that getting mac jones as your second quarterback on some of these teams and having him be the quarterback 17 is like actually gonna would be add massive points to your, it's gonna yeah. add points to your it roster. normally doesn't matter just because, like the if when the other quarterbacks are like reasonably priced, like getting QB seventeen from the eighteen doesn't matter. But 
now with the prices, like it, it, it matters so much more. Yeah, with with the the three best quarterbacks being gone by pick thirty, being able to get being able to get like actual quarterback points in the last round is going to be like fairly massive, I think. Yeah, and he has job security. You know, maybe not like true true job security. Like if he absolutely sucks, they'll bench him. But if Hopkins goes there, you know it's at all close to what we would expect the offense to look like with an offense coordinator plus Hopkins. Uh, he's pretty safe. Yeah. The reports yeah. for Mac versus Zappy too are pretty favorable for, for what those are worth at this point in the off season. Um, the beat reporters are saying Mac is outperforming Zappy pretty, pretty easily. And it doesn't seem like a quarterback competition or anything along those lines. Like it's a pretty clear uh, lead for Mac. So anyways, I'll, I'll add the rest. Um, well, I guess Hopkins isn't a riser. He was just, topical conversation for today i think another guy um looking at the risers now from the past week a guy who i think is an interesting comparison to deandre hopkins for a lot of reasons is keenan allen who is up for the second week in a row you know obviously not the same stylistic player as hopkins but similar age and similar to hopkins really was quite good on a per game basis last year when he played uh, i won't go through all the numbers but similar to hopkins you look at you know yards per outrun targets per outrun receiving grade you know, point, you know, fantasy points per game. Keenan Allen is still on that sort of top 12 bubble as a wide receiver. So Connor, um, we've talked about Keenan Allen a lot, I think on the show this offseason. Curious um, if you're concerned with his age or if you think he's fairly valued uh, at the end of the third round now. Um, I think that's about right. Um, like, especially in best in best ball tournaments, I think age actually does matter quite quite a bit because you still you need them to be doing the same thing in week 17 and but he it it, like you said he he has been performing and then the other thing about him is that other than Eckler the uh the other receiving options either have have huge question marks or it's 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 the rookie and and so that 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 does give him like a, a good few outs where if, if, if other players aren't, aren't performing, then he has to step up more. And yeah. I, th- that's probably not groundbreaking. And it's just but, the, the thing with Keenan is that he's such, you just pick him and you're like, yeah, it's fine. Like I just got Keenan Allen. Like it, he makes sense for team building because he goes so close to his teammates and he, it falls in an ordered way that it's easy to select his teammates. And a lot of the guys that the room is asking you to take over him are guys that you can have legitimate like it's just really not going to be surprising to me in any way if christian watson like finishes outside the top 36 scores or wider yeah christian watson strikes me as more of a four five turn pick that's on the three four turn but i'm like i'm still taking him some because he does have such a high ceiling but it's it's an uncomfortable price. But look at all these guys around him have such massive questions. Like Hopkins, who we just talked about, Judy. Like Judy might not be as yeah. good as we thought he was, and the offense could stink. London, we know is good, but I take a lot the, of London. Yeah, I take London too, but but I don't feel great about taking Ritter. So a lot of the times I'm like, I'll yeah. take so I'm setting up Keenan. So I'm like, I'll take Herbert, Mike Williams. I mean, I just greatly prefer Keenan to his teammate Mike Williams. The the only honestly the only guy in this range that I have no questions about is McLaurin, like that 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 for yeah. like twenty picks in a row, it's like yeah McLaurin he, he's gonna get McLaurin's me a thousand tough. Eight. I I'll sometimes take well we'll talk about Brandon Ayuk here 
I at this point in the in the fourth round, I'm taking guys based on <clears throat> what I think I'm going to be able to do in the following rounds. So like sometimes yes. I'll take Drake London because I'm like maybe I can get a falling Fields and then I'll and I'll backdoor stack him. Um, sometimes I take DJ Moore because I pretty confident Fields will come back around and I'll be able to get him in the fifth. Uh, I will take McLaurin sometimes because. I don't think I have much of a chance at those guys, but I might have a good chance at Brandon Ayuk and get that little mini correlation. I'll take I'll take Mike Williams because I'm like I could I could use a quarterback here. I'll get Herbert when he comes back. So I was really like I'm kind of thinking through the team building stuff. If I get a value on Christian Watson or Nuke, I'll grab them. But Keenan, I think the most interesting thing about Keenan here is that I think this is the final recovery of his ADP from the cut rumors that started, you know, yeah. back in February or whatever. Like, had that not happened, I think he might have been going here the whole time, which yeah. is it's sort of, once I saw this, I was like, ah, I should have been higher on him throughout. Like, I, I was taking a fair amount of Keenan, I think, this whole draft season, but it is one of those things where it seems silly that, you know, the rumor that he might be cut was holding his ADP back still, but I think it probably was to a degree because – you knew like because he fell on the three, four turn, you could feel like he'll be there when I come back around. Why would I take him in the third? I can get Keenan in the fourth. And there's that feeling that persists until it finally breaks. And now once you know, you have to take Keenan in the third, like, yeah, I, I like Keenan more than Amari Cooper, you know? Yeah. Right. There's a lot yeah. of tiebreakers in favor of Keenan over Amari. Yeah. But Amari's been ahead of him like the whole time until, until recently. And if he if he does like if he just doesn't I, I I'm starting to trend this way that I actually think Herbert like the Chargers could lead the NFL in points scored. You know, they they were so obviously held back by their play calling and their play design that it just feels as if uh Kellen Moore I mean Kellen Moore was like unlocking Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz. Like right. the, like you know what I mean? Like if Quint like Let's say Quentin Johnston is good, right? Let's let's say he he uh, you know comes in, understands the playbook, you know, is not having trouble with some of these things that maybe the film watchers think he might have trouble with, and they find some sort of reasonable complementary back to Austin Eckler that is not Ezekiel Elliott, and that guy's getting it done on the ground and is like a non-zero as a pass catcher. So Eckler's just like fresh and getting like it could set up as the Cowboys, but with like really good players at all those positions instead of Noah Brown and, and, you know, Michael Gallup who like is struggling to walk. Yeah. Yeah. I take and a I, lot of Herbert cause you get that, that price. That's just, you know, much better than certainly the quarterback prices were earlier. Yeah. Um, although at this point, maybe the gap between like Herbert should probably be in the sixth, given that fields is falling to the, the mid to late fifth down burrow falls to the fifth sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And I think uh, we mentioned Quentin Johnson, but if if Johnson is good, back to to you know Keenan's price at the three four turn, I think he hurts Mike Williams much more than he hurts. Oh, for sure, Allen. Uh, which I, I actually Mike Williams. We talked about the wide receivers in that range. He's the one that I'm kind of most scared of in the McLaurin, London, Judy, Hopkins, Watson range. I agree, all those guys have. Uh, red flags, but Williams for me is the the toughest. Right, like because of that, I don't know. He's never like he did have he that stretch of six games, right? Yeah, 
he's had he's had a couple stretches um yeah. I, I i was at i was at a chiefs chargers game where he scored three touchdowns and it just it was like there's sometimes there's nothing you can do about that dude the issue is that he uh every time he catches a pass it looks like he's gonna die like he, yeah. he catches a pass and uh you you just like the stretchers coming out from i mean he's been injured every year for the last three years yeah what I would say, I, so Mike Williams is not like the most popular guy in our circles generally. Um, he doesn't get open, which is a problem. And he, yeah, he's a contested catch uh, specialist who falls down extremely hard every time he catches the ball. So not not my favorite archetype either, but I do think he's a fine pick where he's going. I think <clears throat> what Quentin Johnson could add to the offense is some more explosiveness, but not necessarily like a high target earning type of profile um he's kind of a raw like athlete he's not as athletic as we were hoping but you know he's kind of this yards after catch type of guy he's not a very good deep threat um i don't i don't think he competes with mike williams in the same exact way like mike williams doesn't separate at all but is a really good contested catch player um He's more of like a T. Higgins type. I think Quentin Johnson yeah. is probably more of like a Brandon Ayuk, where I shouldn't say he's not a good deep threat. I think he could, if, if he's open over the middle, you know, that could work really well. But he's not like a guy you chuck the ball up to and he wins uh, over his defender. That's not who he is. He was actually pretty terrible at that. Yeah. So in some ways, Williams could, if the offense is like more explosive and more difficult to deal with, the big guy who can't separate getting more one-on-one coverage it could be good. I mean, Williams is ceiling case to being like a huge advance rate guy or the guy you need in week 17. It's all touchdown related. So that touchdown, has been, yeah. that's, that's been his, um, you know, his biggest thing. Let's, let's you talk can't about double this. him and he, he scores some touchdowns. Yeah. Let's talk about this acres rise because this to me has nothing to do with cam acres or these quotes around him. It just has to do with him being a more comfortable click one more comfortable click than the guys going directly around him. And two, Every day that passes and they don't sign Zeke or Fournette or Kareem Hunt or whatever, and it's him, Kyron Williams, and the fifth-round rookie or whatever, it's just more likely he's the guy. But more comfortable click than Swift. Way more comfortable than I, Galvin. I like Swift better. I'm so out on Swift. I, I know Swift is going to be the guy is the reason why I don't win the $3.5 million, I think. But I'd rather have Akers. I was reviewing some numbers on Swift and just like – his receiving stuff is he's good. very good. He's, he's good. I, I have no question, no concern about Cam Akers or about DeAndre Swift being a good player. The questions I have are the same things that caused him to not play when he was in Detroit, which is that he never does what his running back coach asks him to do. And he, in fact, goes against his instructions all the time where they're yeah. like, we need, we need you to do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to go freestyle jazz on the perimeter here instead. Like yeah. I, I did this thread the other day and I just Google news, Deandre Swift and every Google news story from the last year is like Deuce Daly or Dan Campbell being like, yeah, you know, we sat him down and we talked to him and it was a good conversation, but doesn't really seem to be applying it in games. If I have that archetype, I would prefer him to be on the league's best offensive line in yes. an extremely explosive offense with an offensive philosophy that prizes explosive plays, right? So I don't have any pushback on DeAndre Swift's um, between the tackles running. 
In fact, it, it might I be do. underrated just how bad it is. <laughs> like he, his success rate in NFL Next Gen over the last couple of years has been atrocious. His um his his yards before contact up the middle is like really good though. You would like, expect that though, because he doesn't want to get contact. He will do anything to avoid <laughs> the contact. He will he will the dude will do like a three sixty spin juke move just so he doesn't get squared up. So you would think his yards before <laughs> contact would be good. You're right. That's true. Well, isn't that like you're not supposed to get contact? Well, like, if your coaches are asking is. you to, if your coaches are <laughs> right, like, I can understand why that would piss off like Dan Campbell or whatever. This this is the but, this is the thing is that we need him at this ADP, which is basically where Miles Sanders was going last year. Maybe he was a little bit cheaper than this, rel- like relatively speaking, at, at running back. But you, the the idea, because the run the Eagles are not going to throw that many passes to the running backs. There were sixty one total throws to the running backs last year, um, split up amongst three guys. Sixty one targets. I don't even think is attainable for for Swift. It, no, I, I, I agree. Really I agree. So it's got to be touchdowns. He's got to score a lot of touchdowns. And if you're not getting carries from the three-yard line, which Miles Sanders got like a bajillion of, it's going to be hard to get those touchdowns. And they might – in fact, their plan probably is to give him those touchdowns right or those carries right now, I would guess. But four weeks into the season and he gets stonewalled twice and bounces one to the outside and fumbles on one, how, how long do they stick to that? I think his – chances of a strong goal line role are extremely low. Uh, I think Gainwell might play ahead of him on the goal line. Like, that, he, I, take, not I take Gainwell. I prefer Gainwell. Yeah. Even Boston Scott, I think, might have the edge on him on the goal line. Yeah. He, he, he really is the guy have... who, who could score the unlikely like long-distance touchdown. That's so. what it is to me. He's, Ken, he's Kenneth Walker. Yeah. It's a Kenneth Walker play for me, and I think he, he could get enough receiving volume to where you know that makes him a little interesting, and then you're just betting that he rips off the long touchdown and at a seventh round ADP or even eighth round sometimes like I don't need him to like I don't need the legendary upside I don't need him to rack up a ton of touchdowns and it's a real what do you win when you win style thing because the guys going around him Akers Pacheco White Connor these guys are very unlikely to be the guys you need, right? I don't see, I don't see the the 2021 or 2022 Josh Jacobs season. Like Pacheco is the Chiefs starting running back and he's going to score like 167.5 PPR points. I I've been taking him a little bit cuz he's falling, but it is I don't think the market has fully clocked the fact that he won't be at training camp for like the first half. He's hurt. Yeah, he's, he's hurt. hurt. Yeah, and there's this uh, UDFA Daenerys Prince who they're all. Oh my god! Up. Enough of the. Wow. Den- I, it's just it's all I see. <laughs> people, people with their Daenerys Prince. Well, the the Pacheco drum beat uh, ended up being pretty predictive. So I don't know. I think well, it might the, just the injuries uh, never take the expense of Chiefs running back. That's a it's a good it's a it's really I mean it's one that's a, an extremely good philosophy. The issue with that is is that McKinnon is not free. The way he has right, been right. years past, you're 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 paying for McKinnon this year, another year older, a, a right. more closer and closer <laughs> to not be like to the point where the Chiefs get to December and they're like, all right, Jarek, it's time, and Jarek's like getting out of bed and cracking his knees and like you know putting icy <laughs> yeah. hot on his back, like yeah. it's closer and closer to him not being able to do that. Yeah, speaking uh, of recovery, is, could it just be a uh, spot where it's not good? Say that, Connor. Could it, their Chiefs backfield just be a spot where they're all priced up that like the winner doesn't come from? The, I mean, the, twenty Clyde Clyde's rookie year, they were all bad. Every every guy who played 
was was bad. Um, there was there was not really one guy you wanted to have that year. The following and, year, Daryl was a smash. Yeah, but uh, 2020 Chiefs running backs. Uh, let's see here. So Clyde was bad. Le'Veon was bad. Darwin Thompson was bad. Daryl had one good game, but they were they were really none of them you wanted in fantasy. Um, you you kind of need a guy to come out of nowhere in that backfield, like almost with like how random they they use different players. Well, like, it, it it I don't think it works to say you know what this is this is the Chiefs back. Like I know they're getting X Y Z volume. And I'm just going to pay for that. I don't think that well, like that works. Well, there's a running back with Super Bowl experience who said all, he doesn't care about the money he gets on his next contract. All he wants to do is win another Super Bowl. Who uh, is I, I just Leonard Fournette is going to sign with the Chiefs. Like I just Dude. I'm preparing. For Leonard Fournette's such a good pick right now. I take him a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah. sometimes take Gainwell and then I immediately regret not adding another. Fournette. No, no, no. Gainwell, Gainwell, Gainwell is good. Uh, th- this actually, I know, but to... I just want I want Fournette. This may be a dumb question. Or the Bengals. Is by there the a way. market for Lenny? Yes. So this is a, also, I think, an underreported thing is that <clears throat> the Bengals beat writers uh, are saying that Joe Mixon and the team still need to come to terms with a pay cut for him. They're probably going to put a contract extension is what i was reading in front of him and that extension would i think probably lower his cap kit um be like a trade for maybe another year or two in exchange for less money this year otherwise they're going to cut him that's the way it sounds and the market's like completely back in on mixing now but that is a spot right like they could cut him and sign lenny and honestly like is that worse for them i mean yeah it's probably like slightly worse for them but i you know if they can get a good a good deal on Lenny who just wants to win a Super Bowl, then I, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, you're you're you are 100 right. I think this the Lenny conversation dovetails nicely with Jerome Ford, who is just going to keep rising every <clears throat> single week that the Browns don't sign another running back, right? Because like the coaches are all really complimentary of him. I mean, this was a round 18 pick when we started doing this for BBM, and now like sometimes you got to take him in like the 14th on a zero running back team to make sure you get him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things I'll be that sure. I mean, yeah. I'm starting to get skeptical. I get the reports are good. Like, I think where he is is fairly priced, but I'm starting to get skeptical of a guy who had eight carries for 12 yards last year as this like surefire. Like, I get right now he's the most likely Cleveland number two, but if Chubb goes down, like, I don't know. I feel like it turns into a committee, and with who? You know, I think it's going to be a committee even with Chubb there. But, but who's the other? Mo- they don't. They don't even have an RB three on the roster right now. John, I know, John but Kelly. I think I think they're going to sign. I think they're going to sign someone. I don't think There's, it's going to be Fournette or Hunt or someone. But you know, Daryl. They Henderson. are saying they'll they'll sign someone. But yeah, maybe a Daryl Henderson type or something. I think I think Ford is a pretty clear handcuff. I, I, 13, 14, <sighs> If he settles there, that, I think that's okay. Especially in a a period where we like don't know for sure who the handcuff is and like a number of right. other backfields. Yeah. Yeah. That well that is the explanatory variable for why the the rise is happening is because we have right. less clarity. Like the market doesn't know who to take between Chase Brown and Travion Williams. The exactly. market was like exuberant about Chase Brown for a period and they don't need to be anymore. Uh this this Paris Campbell rise What what are we yeah. doing? Par- Paris Campbell's not going to be who you need in week 17. Spoiler. Well that's that's fair. I it does sound like he's going to get like a fair amount of playing time out of the gate. To me, this is a Wandale Robinson thing where I just like, 
I, I'm taking a slot receiver off an ACL tear, and he might start the season on pup. And they signed like 18 slot receivers, which is not great anyway. And then one of them is starting to get buzz. Like, one and Wandale's still like more expensive than Hodgins and Slayton. Um, yeah, I mean, Slayton's I'm, still free. So to me, it's Hodgins, Slayton. Those are the guys I want to be drafting. Hyatt See, also just, feels very. He's he's with the third team right now. He's a third round pick. I don't know. I think we're drafting. I just don't care. Now. I'll just take Wandale for the vibes, dude. The, 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 <laughs> well, it is the, good vibes. Yeah, good like vibes I just this pick. Yeah, like I I the 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 Paris Campbell vibes his entire career. Like he's amongst the worst vibes of any player in the NFL. Like, I agree it's with just that. the vibes yeah. are so bad. I don't care how much guaranteed money he got. If they're counting on this dude to be their slot wide receiver, he's gonna he's gonna have an ankle tweak, and and we're gonna be treated to Jameson Crowder by like week three. I just don't the know why about yeah. Paris is that like he did get like an eighty percent ripe share last year. And yeah, score he was fine. One hundred and fifty now PPR points. I'm not sure what the hot PPR was, but he did score points. And if you got that from the sixteen, seventeen rounds, like that's useful. Like if he did just end up being like a plays most of the snaps guy that would be useful I, i'm zay, not zay, zay jonesy to draft him, but i could see paris campbell putting together like a zay jonesy kind of season where he's just out there a lot yeah but i feel like zay jones can like run real routes and like go downfield in a way that paris like paris campbell just kind of survived off like gimmicky like screens and yak stuff i don't know i i, I think it's a little that's like a little bit of slander to zay jones like paris campbell last year you know, out of 100 wide receivers, he was 94th in yards per route run, 86th in targets per route run, 86th in PFF receiving grade, six half PPR points per game. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't get I guess I can't hate on the Giants picks too much because it's so uncertain. And sure. yeah, if I was to project it now, he's probably the starting slot wide receiver to start the year. But Sterling Shepard or Sterling Shepard's actually like looking healthy in camp. Apparently that's the thing. If Sterling Shepard stayed healthy for the entire season, I'd be like, we should have just taken him every time. Like Sterling Shepard could that's be like the point. wide receiver. He could be like the wide receiver 30 and 0.5 PPR. If he stays healthy all right. year. I just, and if he's what trying he was. to, yeah, trying that's to, that's why the, the boomers take him in the 20th round in the FFPC live drafts every year. Yeah. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Didn't he? Did he tear his Achilles too, or is it just an ACL? He's had a he's had a Wolf. bunch of shit. Wolf. I thought I it was back to back, 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 back years Achilles and ACL back to back years. That's so tough, and then to not see him like since I don't know, I, I don't draft him, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was. But, that, but he's coming out of the slot most likely. That's I just don't exactly. I don't want to spend any capital on a giant slot receiver when yes. there's so many guys who could be there. Exactly. It's And it's like, what do you win when you win? It's like, great, you got, you know, Daniel Jones slot wide receiver. I don't get it. Darren Waller's also there. He's going to play in the slot a bunch. No, I think. People like, people it's, are it's, are, it's done. Hypo- are uh, hypothetically, this, that's not the right word, hypothesizing <laughs> that Waller is going to be like a boundary wide receiver, that like the role they have carved out for him is actually just to use him as like a flanker, basically. Interesting. I mean, he has played some that would be there pretty awesome. throughout his career. I bet he rotates. I bet he plays slot. I bet he plays outside some I mean, and also right. plays inline tight I bet ends. That, I bet that's uh, right. Yeah, That was his position in college. He was he was the Georgia Tech flanker when he was a he was a collegiate wide receiver. So it's yeah. not it's not like the craziest thing, but I mean, I think that it, that's that that sounds better if like they add that to his existing like slot 
on in line yes. and roll. Yeah. I kind of I've I've been liking Waller, especially on teams like where Waller. stacks like aren't going my way, and I'm like, oh, this is feeling like a pretty uncorrelated team. Grabbing Waller and stacking him up with Daniel Jones, and then tack on like Hodgins or Slayton later. I mean, I think he's just going to be the focal point of like if all goes to plan. I think they're planning on him being the focal point of their passing attack. Whether he still can do that, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that's their plan. Uh, I definitely so I agree like, with that. I like so you know, Waller. He played 20% of his snaps out wide last season. That was his low with the yeah. Raiders. Uh, in 2018, his first year with the Raiders, uh, he played six snaps that year. So 2019 was his first real year with the Raiders. He had a 25% rate of snaps out wide. He, I mean, yeah, I think he's going to he's gonna move around the formation for sure. And, yeah. and that's out wide as in like on the boundary as, as opposed to like slot position, right? Yeah, slot. He was at thirty-one percent in twenty nineteen, uh, in line for forty-five percent um, last year. He was in the slot primarily, sixty-two percent. He was in only oh, in line for for seventeen percent of his snaps last year. Um, they were just having him run deep out of the slot. Didn't you work, know? But... The other interesting thing is That's that they they also like Belling, <laughs> Bellinger. Like they don't think Ballinger is like a zero. Like he's gonna pl- he's gonna kind of be around in kind of like a Noah Gray style way, just like blocking a lot. Mm-hmm. But that directly takes snaps away from these like nine hundred slot wide receivers who are getting drafted. Point yep. being, they're all pretty bad picks. I think like just very unlikely. They're they're the two things are they're unlikely to be that just like veteran. Like he'll get you eleven points. Some like they'll get you eleven points sometimes, and extremely unlikely to to give you like 25 point spike weeks yeah. like almost impossible here's so here's i don't think it's like you know we're, we're spending so much time you know not not this isn't like these guys are super pricey but relatively pricey picks in campbell wandale robinson like trying to figure out the giant slot wide receiver when like the Bills slot wide receiver is just completely free like i, I just Shakir, I think Shakir and hardy are better picks if you're trying to figure out sure. like think the slot wide receiver on a team like why are we doing this on the new york giants like it makes you know so th- you, these you guys, guys think the Giants slots should just be undrafted basically pretty much no they're but they're like i, I think they're all 18th round picks like they're the same thing as taking greg dorch right. to me yeah i i don't mind the outside guys as much but slayton is free and I yeah. do mind taking Hyatt. I mean, like Hyatt's ADP to me has never corrected since he was talked about as a potential late first round pick. Like his price is pretty similar to when we thought that was on the table. And now he's a third round pick. He's playing with the third team offense. Slayton was good last year. This coaching staff has, you know, a history dating back to the bills of bringing the rookies along slowly. I, I just have like a, hard time thinking that Hyatt's going to add like a time. I'll take him sometimes correlate with Daniel Jones. I don't want to be completely out, but um, I just think Slayton being free is, is nice. And then I, I do take Hodgins as well. Cause I think, you know, as long as they don't do something uh, with Waller where he's like legit playing the X, but you're saying Davis, he might be more like the flanker with the Z. So if Hodgins has the X role kind of locked down, there's no one else the, the that really thing, challenges The thing with there. Hodgins is that if things get weird for them as a team in training camp and someone's performing above expectation or is like becomes a core four special teamer when they haven't before or just something like that, Hodgins is makes no money. So he's the easiest. He's the easiest to cut. He, I mean, I think he's like. Cuttable. I think Hodgins he's like has 90. to win the starting job or yes. he's going to get cut. 
Yes. Yeah. There's no value for him as a backup. Yes. Like if he has a mediocre training camp or like just like if he lips off to the coaching staff or just like he, 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 he makes like they have like 11 wide receivers on their roster and he makes the least money. So it's just very He's essentially on a rookie deal, though. So that's not necessarily a reflection sure. of his value. Well, but it does make him easy it's to not a fra- yeah, it's not a reflection of his market value. Right. Because they didn't have to pay him anymore to lock him. Yeah, they just game. they just claim that sounds more right, like yeah. they'll keep him then. In well, some ways, is, you could say it, it if makes they're getting him, him below market. He's a yeah. very well, cheap, cost-controlled yeah. starter, but he has to be a starter, right? If he's if he, they're like, we trust him. He's going to play X for us. That's great. Then all of a sudden, his contract's an advantage. If he loses the starting role to someone else, he's an easy cut. Because the the problem is, if you look at and this isn't always end all be all, but you look at the guaranteed money they gave. I think seven uh, guaranteed to Slayton, so he's a lock to make the team. Paris Campbell, I think they actually gave three million guaranteed to. So that's like nearly a lock to make the team. I'd say they could cut him with that, but it'd be a little plus. Bizarre. He's generating buzz. It'd be kind of odd if they cut him. Yeah, in. and they also, you know, they spent a second round pick on Wandale. They spent a third round pick on Hyatt. Those guys aren't getting cut. So like once you start doing the math, Hodgins, I right. think is at nobody is at else that. is cuttable. He's the yeah. last man. He's like, that's the thing like is that he's competing with like Shepard and. Crowder, I guess. Like it's so like a he's, and he's a huge favorite. For a couple. Yeah, he's a favorite. He's a favorite. Yeah, he's sure. a huge favorite over those guys because uh although it's like I think we tend to do this, Crane's made this point to me before, is we we tend to overreact when these guys who come out of nowhere overperform for a couple games. Like Richie James, his former teammate, is actually a great example of this. Richie James, uh career special team, like he was special teams for San Francisco for two years, comes in on a Monday night against Green Bay. 13 targets, 11 receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns, and we literally never heard from him again. He, just, he came in. He played really well. We never heard from him again. The, the 49ers unceremoniously cut him. He was a reserve player. He was playing behind David Sills like in, in yeah. for the Giants. Like It didn't matter. He was good for the Giants last year, and they again, they moved on from him like no sweat. They didn't think it's, twice about it. It's the Travis Fulgham corollary, basically. Oh, like my God, yes. These guys can just disappear. And I agree that, like, you know, we're not saying Hodgins is unlikely to make the team or that Shepard is better than him. I don't think anyone of any of us are saying that. We're just saying that, like, I would put his odds of making the team at, like, 80%. And there's a lot of guys you can take that are closer to 100%. So it's like, do you, do you want to take that risk? I think you can justify it. Like, I've taken some Hodgins, but I think you have to acknowledge he does have, like, a legit cut, a cut risk. Um, I do think you have to acknowledge that. I take a fair amount of them. Because I think his odds of starting are also about 80%. So it's like, you know, it's like the scenarios where he doesn't start, he's a zero. But there's guys in that range. And he could get he could get picked up. You know, I mean, I think another team would claim Mm -hmm. him. He could land back on the bills. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe he goes back to Buffalo, uh, where they they do kind of need someone. Uh let's do let's do Ayuk. Cause I I'm buying this dude. Like Ayuk, Ayuk with yeah, with same. Purdy for 17 games, dude. Like come on, and I'm in on Debo too. Uh, they both seem they both seem like guys who can get there with 22% target shares, and they definitely can be the guys you need in week 17. But I think both things are true. Someone tweeted this out this week. Uh, I'm blanking on who, but it was um, when Ayuk CMC. Debo, Dwayne, Dwayne McFarland. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. this out. When all everyone was healthy and on the field, it was basically Ayuk, Debo, and CMC all with like 20, 21% target shares, and then Kittle at like 12%. Now that's that's a small sample. Like I don't think that's how I would like project it in the median outcome, but 
Um, I think Ayuk has a chance to be, you know, the top target getter on this offense if Purdy plays a full year. So Harmon's reception perception stuff always likes Ayuk, always, always grades him out really well, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I was wasn't quite as into Ayuk back when the quarterback situation felt like very uncertain. Now, you know, you get into that early fifth round and it's like Godwin. Pittman, Ayuk is just such an easy click there for me over those guys. Like yep. just the weekly right. upside, the this offense is rolling down the stretch. Like you think about, you know, how psyched we were to draft these guys in the the playoff best ball tournament. Oh my like, god. Every you know, every draft I took one of these guys. Yeah. If if they're that 49ers, then like you're gonna be so psyched that you have fifth round Ayuk. Like that's that seems like a pretty right. easy and upside. and Four of their games every year that used to be rock fights, right, against the Rams and the Cardinals, those used to be, and the Seahawks, honestly, for that matter, those NFC West games used to be like rock fights, and now every team in that division either stinks or plays like a more wide-open, fun version of football. Like those seven games or those eight games that they're going to play are all better games and the week 17 game could be fun too i mean it, it could be terrible it could also be terrible right. if the if, if the hell is go good down that road yes it could really push good. the 49ers yeah, yeah. i used also like, oh go ahead Pat. they probably won't be running a ton right i mean it, it, you'd hope the enemy would be you know inclined to be passing more than they did previously anyway but especially against the 49ers like i don't know you, you don't yeah. want to just slam brian robinson into the line yeah, I uh, want to talk on the the Patriots stuff. So with um, James Robinson getting cut, both Ramondre, Ramondre and Pierre Strong are showing up here as risers, which I think is kind of funny because Robinson shouldn't affect those guys' ADPs. I don't think he was likely to make the team the entire time. But anyways, um, I think Pierre Strong is probably the more interesting one to talk through here. Does anyone feel good about Pierre Strong in the 18th? I've been taking him. But I do feel that it's still pretty uncertain between him, Kevin Harris, um, you know, Ty Montgomery. There, uh, let me let me tell you something I know with a hundred percent certainty, which is that Bill Belichick is going to try and make this Ty Montgomery thing happen. Like it's just now, is he going to get hurt immediately? Of course, but Ty Montgomery is going to be when it's it the first third down of the year for the New England Patriots. Ty Montgomery is going to be like God. motioning from the slot into the backfield with a hundred percent certainty. Yeah, he's I don't know. Brandon Bowden role. He's playing in camp right now. So a couple things on Ty Montgomery. He did have that role in week one last year, which a lot of people are citing. Uh, before he got hurt in the first half, I think he was playing the third down role. Uh, in that offense, it was a gross three-man committee with Harris, Ramondre, and Tymon all getting snaps. But right now in camp, he's playing clearly behind Pierre Strong. Like Strong's mixing up the first team. Uh, it's still super early, so so who knows how much to read into that. What I, I just can't figure out, like – what is the compliment to Ramon? Like, are they looking for a pass catching back to be the compliment to Ramon? Are they looking for a short? Like, I can kind of see it going either way. You know what I mean? It's not clear yeah. where Ramon is. Wasn't the quote work. that he's the starter, but we want to spell him on clear passing situations? I thought there was yeah. a quote that came out like that. That was I think a quote about Ramon? Yes. 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 I remember seeing something like that. I think it could be kind of like, Mixiny, where Ramondre still catches a lot of passes and is used in the passing game, but like does get subbed out on third down some for, I guess, Ty Montgomery, maybe Pierre Strong. Um, 
But yeah, like, I don't know. You would need him to pass a lot on first and second down, I think, for that to be similar to Mixon. I mean, the yeah. the this is the the ideal thing that would happen for Ramondre would be for him to take the Sony Michelle. Um, I don't, you know, who all Damian these guys, they've had a, they've Damian. Well, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, who was the guy before Michelle? Um, uh, the, 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 no, Stephen, Stephen Ridley. Stephen, Stephen Ridley oh. was the name I was searching for, but then also subsume the third role, right? Cause the Patriots used to have three roles. They'd have, they'd have the grinder, they'd have the passing down back. Then they'd have like their red zone, Swiss army knife, weird, and then, you know, Rex Burke, it would be, uh, Rex Burkhead would be a lot of different. And so what you what you really want is you'd want him to have the Damian Harris, Stephen Ridley role, but then also have that. Uh, I, I would call it, I would actually call it the Kevin Falk role as opposed mm-hmm. to like the Shane Vereen, James White role where you're getting him 40 to 50 receptions and all the goal line work. And that, that is like, that's totally justified at his cost. And there's enough meat on the bone for a Pierre Strong or Kevin Harris to get, you know, round 18 value, no problem. Yeah. Or Ty Montgomery, be, right? I mean, that, I, I mean, he's 30 I, years I old. Not he hasn't played backups. Montgomery's 30 years old and hasn't played a full seat. He's played one full season in his last four years. So like, yeah, I something think, like, yeah, 20 touches in the last like three or four years. Like, yeah, I, I'm kind of sick of the Ty Montgomery stuff, but I don't know. I do agree. They're going to, they're, it's not going to be like, a hundred percent, you know, a CMC role for Ramondre Stevenson. But I, I think sometimes we fail to put these things in context where I, I still would project Ramondre to have one of the largest backfield shares of any running back this year, like top 10. It, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get somebody else involved. So I'm not reading in too much of these offseason storylines. Like they, they yeah. had the same running back room last year. I mean, Ty Montgomery was injured, but you know, when it was Ramondre, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, all healthy last year, he had a workhorse course role. So why is that going to change this year? I guess you could use the Ty Montgomery argument, but I'm pretty skeptical. Did those backups were rookies last year? And we've seen them, you know, they completely redshirted Damian sure. Harris. You know, having those guys enter their second year isn't ideal for him. I actually think having James Robinson be cut in some ways is bad because Robinson was not going to be good. You know, these yeah. other guys could be good. It's it's at least plausible that one of them's really good. So I don't think uh these guys are huge threats to, to Ramondre. I think Ramondre is a totally fine pick. Um, like late third round Ramondre, which has been available pretty much all offseason, has been right. awesome. The the yeah. guy, I think, looking at this, I just, I mean, I'm back to the 2008 New England Patriots trying to find a, a comp to Ramondre, and there there really isn't one because they've always had it segmented out. But yeah. it's never, they've, to, they've never done what it looks like they're doing with Ramondre, which is transitioning a guy from the Vereen Falk Woodhead role into the Ridley Harris blunt role, but that's what they're doing right now. And so I think uh, I can't remember if Sam or Pat just said this, but like applying the context of like they look, Ramondre's really good at both things. He's good at he's good at the pass catching and he's good in the short yardage. Bill Belichick is like a pragmatic guy. He's not gonna. I don't think. I don't think they're gonna yeah. be like, well, we got to get Pierre Strong eight touches in this game just because he is that role in the backfield or whatever. Someone correct me wrong if I'm wrong about Strong's profile, but I think it could be sort of like a CMC Mitchell type split where Pierre Strong comes in as sort of the change of pace, like five to 10 carries per game guy. He profiles as more sort of like a rusher than a receiver. And Ramondre still keeps 
like the goal line work and the receptions and they bring in strong to do some of like the trap back type stuff. I mean, he's five uh, eleven, two 205 pounds, very fast. And he's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, he profiles as like a passing game specialist, but I think no, he, he does just not. Scored. Yeah. He, he profiles as a, it is explosion back. He's a um, yeah. change of pace, you know, Kevin Coleman type of guy, basically. I, would say. I mean, he's a breakaway runner. You you he, could he really see this breakaway being percentage in college. You could really see this being a Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman thing, where where they're really just sort of interchangeable, but one guy really gets the lion's share. Yeah, and yeah. Sam, you remember we were doing stat chasing, and like if a guy had seventy percent of the backfield share, he was like almost in the top five. Yeah. Like the bar to be the the quote unquote workhorse. Is, is like so much lower now. It really is, yeah. I think people forget that too when they're like, oh, this guy's going to have a role. It's like, I mean, literally, unless you're talking about Najee Harris in 2021, CMC in 2020, like, yes, you can list like four or five guys that literally had that insane workhorse role the past couple of years, but it kind of doesn't exist. So I think holding Ramondre to this higher bar than, you know, in San Francisco this year, CMC is going to mix in for a It, it would make me posture, nervous right? early second. Second round, yeah, yeah, but not not in the third. Yeah. That's what I've come to uh, that conclusion on a number of these backs is that I actually, I think if they were all second round picks, which is kind of the feeling of the market is like, man, we're getting such amazing values on these guys in the third round. But I actually think they'd be fairly weak second round picks, a, a number of them, and Ramondre, I think, falls in that range. So is too. is Josh Jacobs undervalued because he's going to get like every goddamn touch? Even Josh Jacobs, I don't think like I was looking at these guys through the the legendary upside screener, and you know like if you look at things that have predicted these massive seasons in the past, like Josh Jacobs is not a very good bet, you know. Even last year, I mean, he had about eighteen points per game. It's kind of a Fournette type of thing where like last year we're you know drafting Fournette on the two three turn. He's coming off this awesome season, but even then he had like eighteen points per game or so in PPR. Okay, I uh, got twenty twenty one. And it's like can, throw at you then. Can he have do the we, ceiling, we, the true ceiling outcome? Do you need to update the screener to include fewer points per game because running backs are scoring fewer points as like a pie of the points that are available? I don't well, I think there's two things, right? One is what do you need out of the third round compared to what you need out of the <clears throat> the one-two turn? And I think that's sure. pretty different. Um, if you get a guy who scores, you know, 18 PPR points in the middle of third round, that's pretty fucking awesome. You know, like I'm, I'm not saying, but I would say, I, I don't think I need to update the screener in the sense of if you're taking a running back at the one, two turn, he really should have the ability to tilt the the fantasy landscape, um, and be that guy who you absolutely needed to have. Um, otherwise you're taking on a ton of risk. You're also zigging against a market that is drafting wide receivers higher than ever. And if you move away from that to get a guy who scores you like 16 points per game, that's going to really, really hurt this year. So uh, I don't think, and also I would say uh, last year through 17 games, Austin Eckler hit the the legendary threshold. So you are still, I, I believe Jonathan Taylor did as well through 17 games in 2021. So they exist. They're hard to find, but these types of seasons do still exist. That's fair. Let's move on now to, to the <clears throat> fallers. Um, some guys we already talked about. We see Jalen Hyatt on here. 
ETN, Barkley, Devontae Adams are all down. Um, why would why would ETN be falling? He's a great pick. He's falling a lot. It's I it's the puppy thing. Bigsby stuff, or maybe the puppy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a in the it's puppy only two picks as well. The running back. He's been falling pretty consistently. I mean, he was he was like thirty. He was going at thirty overall, and then all that Bigsby stuff came out. And then, I mean, it's been a ten pick slide over a month. I don't, I don't think about Tank Bigsby at all, dude. I just don't. He's, <laughs> like, Etn, Etn is gonna do what he did last year, but if he just gets like 0.8 targets more per game, you know, like they start tossing him some skirt. Like, I don't know. He just also seems to me like he's really good. I, I want to be. Like, ETN versus Gibbs is, like, not even a contest to me. Like, ETN is going to get 100 more touches than Jameer Gibbs. I'd rather have ETN than Gibbs as well. I mean, I I don't know. I think it's a little bit, like, it's not completely comparable, but it's a little bit like the Charbonnet to Ken Walker stuff where people, I think, you know, if you look at ETN's receiving efficiency stuff last year, it wasn't that good. And people are saying, oh, Bigsby's going to come in and take the third down work. That's not uh, he, body, he, bo- he body catches, bro. He body catches and he's got weird yeah. foot placement. I, I've well, seen the- this. This is a big thing on film Twitter. He, he plants his feet weird. So people are worried he's going to get hurt. To give the film people some credit, I don't think I, about I, film Twitter at all. I, I do. I do think <laughs> people when ETN came out as a prospect, all the spreadsheet people were saying that he's this unbelievable receiving prospect. You know, one of the best we've had in a while. And the film people were saying his routes aren't that good, his hands aren't that good. I think they've kind of been proven correct in the past. No, no, years they back. have. They've a hundred percent been proven correct. But I don't think it matters because running back targets are so often a valve, or they are designed. Yeah. And you can get, you can get like last year, ETN had zero games. Uh, he had two games with more than four targets. Um, and he, he had no games with more than 43 receiving yards, but they like, they can change that so easily. Like they can just draw up like two extra dumb plays to him a game or he gets a couple extra d- or if he's just on the field for more third downs. I think yeah, the main thing with ETN is like his, I think his TD upside could just be huge this year. Unless you think they're going to use Bigsby at the goal line, which I'm kind of skeptical of like, he had five touchdowns last year on the Jaguars team. Like that's pretty bad luck uh, for how good that offense was. And, you know, you add Ridley to the mix this year. If the Jags offense is like a top five offense, which I think is in its range of outcomes, he could just have a huge touchdown year. And at pick 40, I don't know if he catches 30 balls at pick 40, I guess I don't really care that much. Like you don't necessarily need that. Um, It would be great if he could catch 50, 60 balls, but I don't think you need that uh, when he's going at pick 40. It's tough, though, because, you know, Jonathan Taylor's falling all the way to the end of the second round now in a lot of cases, um, or yeah. towards the end of the second, past the midpoint. Um, you've got Chubb there. You've got Pollard there. You've got Henry there if you want to go that route. You can take a wide receiver or, you know, quarterback or whatever, and then come being, coming back around, you've got all those guys, Ramondre, Brees, um, and then you come back into the late fourth and ETN sitting there. So it's like, what do you – it actually because yeah. taking all of them is not really on the table right now. I, I've done the three running backs in the first four rounds, and it is it's not impossible to dig out of, but it is tough. So I think that's what's really driving this fall. I, I think if the market as a whole shifts away from wide receiver a little bit, we'll see ETN bounce 
bounce back up to yeah. the three, four turn pretty easily. You make a good point, Pat, because I thought I was like, oh, I think I'm in on ETN at pick 40, and I just checked my exposure to him through 50 drafts, and I have literally zero shares. So yeah. I think it's the same, it's the same dynamic you're talking about where the pockets don't literally line up. But I don't know. If he, if he goes to the end of the fourth, I think you know, right now it's just that I, I want Drake London over him. I want even Terry McLaurin over him. But if he gets past those guys, I think I would start to have a lot more of him. Uh, so we'll see if the slide continues. It, it I, sounds like we think he's officially priced. I've got 12, I've got 12%. Um, I think I, I should have more of him. I, I don't really know why I have zero. I'm in 130 puppy slows, so I don't know how much I have, but I have, I know. <laughs> I but mental, he does sound like a touchdown bet where yes. like you think the, uh, the Jacks, the Jags <laughs> offense is good. And they make a lot of red zone trips and he gets a good share of those touchdowns. Yeah, and his success rate last year was actually quite good. Uh, I think he, he might be kind of an underrated rusher. He's seen as kind of this breakaway threat, which he is. Um, he had 263 rush yards over expected last year, which was second only to Nick Chubb, head of Tony Pollard. Um, so that is something he does really well. But he's also consistent. He's a really talented rusher. He finished uh, sixth in success rate last year, just ahead of Nick Chubb. Makes sense. He- he seems like one of the most understood or misunderstood running backs in the NFL, where I think people in our heads, we think of him as this like receiving back explosive right, guy yeah. when he's really yeah, he's been not. a better rusher. Um, I mean, he's, he's an explosive, explosive rusher, but uh, he really profiles more as a better rusher than receiver. Imagine if he works. Imagine if he figures out the body catching though, like the wheels. Yeah. Imagine you know, if he wheel. learned how to catch the ball. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, he kind of has been painted as like maybe like a Camara, but he's more of like a Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that's a, I think that's I think that's a great. Let, let's talk about range, his range. Let's oh, talk about Dalvin segue. Cook. He yeah, great segue. He shows up in this chart. He's now 80th overall. I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't fallen farther. I guess the Miami dreams are still living on in people's heads now. Um, but yeah, I, so I'll, I'll say one thing on Cook. I think you know people are talking about how he's washed. And I get that from a lot of the rushing statistics that you look at his age. That totally makes sense. Um, One interesting thing that Eric eager, I believe uh, brought up is that he's not washed in that. His speed has left it has left him. Like he still is showing up as, you know, one of the fastest ball carriers on NFL next gen stats. I think he was the sixth fastest of any ball carrier last year. So he's not well, like I think typically when I think of guys as washed, I think of like Zeke, like, He's got no explosion left. He just looks done. With Dalvin Cook, really the problem is, is he's not breaking tackles anymore, but his speed still seems to be there. And I think you could make the argument that that had to do with his shoulder injury. Like he's literally playing with like, you know, a partially dislocated shoulder the past couple of years, and that could have something to do with it. So I don't want to totally rule him out if he lands in a good offense and his price stays around pick 80. But, um, you know, it seems like the outs to him landing in a good spot are pretty thin that I, I don't quite get. You know, if he was at pick 100 or something, I think I'd be drafting him. At pick 80, I'm pretty out, and I'll, I'll wait and see on the landing spot. My, yeah, my big concern is there doesn't seem to be a market for him. Like, there's clearly a market for Nuke. There doesn't seem to be – like, the market for yeah. uh, Dalvin Cook is what if one of their other running backs get injured and maybe they'll think about it at lower money than what he wants. Yeah, I think that's 100% I, I, correct. I like looking at um, the success rate stat from NFL Next Gen a lot. And one of the reasons is that I think I think teams might care about this. And 
uh, he was horrendous last year in success rate. Um, he, he was terrible. Zeke was terrible. These are like the worst uh, guys in the league. Uh, and yeah. the teams just move on from them. And so I think like, yeah, maybe he can get up to speed um, if under the right conditions. But if, if he's not consistently doing what he's supposed to do, um, he's not like a young, fresh set of legs that they're going to bring in for explosion plays, I don't think. like he's He yeah, also I was mean, terrible in rush yards over expected. So in terms of explosiveness, uh, he was quite poor. He, he finished uh, just ahead of James Robinson, behind Rashad White, behind David Montgomery in rush yards over expected. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think he might be washed. He still had like I think four plays last year of over fifty yards. So I, I don't know. I guess just like at a certain price, we talk about it with Swift, right? Like we don't project Swift to have this massive role or even be like that great at at football, but he can break huge plays. And at a certain point, I think that's still attractive if Cook still has his long speed. Now I think it takes the right set of conditions, right? Like if he's on the Dolphins, I think I would take him at pick eighty. If he's on the Bucks, I'm not taking a pick 80, right? So I, the I, think, weird, I think that is the other thing in that, like, the team that he could ultimately land with could absolutely crush his value. Like, yeah. uh, the fact that there's no market for him, it's like, what if he, line, what if he lands with, like, the Texans or, or, like, one of these, like, really split backfield with, like... He wants to get paid, which is another major concern for us, right? Like, yeah. He's not a Leonard Fournette situation where if a Bengals job opens up, like I feel like Fournette's gonna like fly to Cincinnati and just be like, sign me, dudes. Um, But Cook isn't gonna do that. Cook wants to get paid, so he I think has higher odds of landing somewhere gross, higher odds of landing somewhere with an established starter, you know, that he thinks he can compete with or something. You know, I don't know. It it just doesn't seem like he's gonna end up in like a clean situation. Given the that, thing that the, the, thing the Dolphins that seems, didn't pay him right away, right? The thing that seems not great about signing with the Dolphins is it feels like a chain would be a better version and a version they paid for, uh, you know, yeah. the third round pick of what theoretically Cook can still do, which is like go in a straight line really quickly. I think one yeah. of those guys has to get hurt from Miami for the Dolphins to sign Dalvin. Like, I think. Yeah. They need one or two of their running backs get injured for that to happen. And I I think what he's playing for, what it seems like he's playing for, is one of these more old school minded teams uh, that like wants to pay running backs and has one go down and uh, oh shit, we we need we need our star running back. Let's pay Dalvin eight million dollars or something. Like and I don't I don't even know what the good outcomes from that are. Yeah. And the Dolphins, yeah, I don't I think the Dolphins interest, and maybe I'm wrong about this, someone can send me a link, but I think this is like Dalvin generated hype of him going to the Dolphins of it him is. posting photos. There's no like reports that's showing, oh, the Dolphins are interested in Dalvin Cook. I, I haven't seen that at least. So that's why these like Wilson and Mostert prices and even a Shane's falling. Like I know people are I get why people are scared to draft them, but a, a, like, I don't think the Dolphin stuff is as likely as the market thinks for Dalvin. And B, I don't know. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert just strike me as, you know, guys that it might not be on the Dolphins this year, but they're going to find a way to a backfield once injuries happen and, like, get you some points. Like, Jeff Wilson is just, like, the new Tevin Coleman where he's just going to show up on, like, the 49ers this year in week eight and have three touchdowns, right? Like, he's a capable, like, NFL running back. 
he isn't that different to me than the Fournette bet, honestly, at, at pick 190, where like I don't know if he's on the Dolphins, but I don't think he's getting paid two million guaranteed this year to be the Dolphins' fourth string running back if they sign Dalvin Cook. Like he'll find a way to be relevant. So I still like those guys. My issue with those guys is that if Cook signs there, they're going to be completely free. So yeah. it's been tough for me to draft them. But they are getting to the point where they're like, they're close to completely free. Yeah, now. I guess so, I'm not really taking right. Mostert, but Wilson is getting to the point where it's now I'm getting in the 18th round now. I'm like, yeah, seems I think that's totally seems better than Chase Brown or, or someone who could right, just be a complete zero. Um, all right. Any other fallers here? I guess the Barkley one, like – do we? I don't see any serious holdout risk with Barkley, so I'm kind of hand waving that Why situation not? because I don't think he has any leverage. Um, I think that it would be great for him if they can negotiate like a two or three year deal where he gets some guaranteed money and like maybe they have some kind of situation there. But I don't know. Like we we've seen with the Le'Veon Bell situation that. It just this holding out for running backs really doesn't work, and I'd just be I'd be shocked if Barkley thought that that well, was his best route. The only uh, the only thing about Bell did get offers from the Steelers that were better than what's probably on the table for Barkley now. So like the only thing, yeah. like the the big I think the big thing for him is that like he could just wait until the deadline to sign, and if he still hasn't signed by that point. Then maybe maybe he's like maybe he's cheaper then. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I just think in these holdout situations, and maybe maybe it's a bad take because like maybe his price will continue to fall, so I should I should wait. But like, what are the times the the amount of times that the guy who's threatening to hold out actually holds out is like one percent, and we remember those. But like this year, Lamar, you got crazy discounts on Lamar Jackson this year when the whole time was just like. What's right. the precedent of a you know elite quarterback just sitting out for a season? It just doesn't. It feels like it could happen in the moment, but like it's basically right. Le'Veon Bell, Ryan Match. Like, actually, not Ryan Matthews. The uh, the the Chargers guy, Melvin Gordon. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't he hold out yeah. until like the fourth game or something yeah. like that? Yeah. But, Vincent like Vincent said, Jackson rare. Vincent Jackson once held out ten games. That was the last one I can remember of a guy mm-hmm. t- holding out for a long time and coming back. Yeah. You you guys have any concern about him like Barkley not being as kind of like explosive last year? I do. Yeah. 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 He's just I, not I, very good anymore. Yeah. Like give, given the the one two or sorry two two three turn price or or mid second there. Like that's my big issue. That's so been why I, for me I'm like why wouldn't I kind of take this discount and try to push this discount? And I I believe my start was I went cup Barkley was sitting there, you know, correlation, right? I took JT instead. And then Barkley came back around in the third. And, like, once that happens once, I'm like, I kind of want to see if this happens every time. Yeah. Like, I why, yeah. why, I think I'm done taking second-round Barkley with Cup now, and maybe I bink a couple more of these third-round Barkleys. That feels way more fun. Yeah. yeah. I, also, this this Devontae Adams fall, dude, I don't care if Brian Hoyer's playing quarterback with him. I'm completely I, I, in. I take I take I take Adams like every time he's at the top of the queue. I, I like Adams a lot. I yeah, I want to yeah. mention with Barkley that I, I was looking into some of his advanced stats last week, and it is interesting how he, he does kind of profile as volume dependent now. You know, and it on the Giants, like who's gonna challenge him for that volume? Probably no one. 
but his success rate has been pretty poor, which has been something to look out for in terms of um, goal line opportunities. Uh, again, no one's really there to steal that from him, so he's probably got that locked down. But his yards per route run last year was a career low, 0.94. Um, that was worse than Najee Harris as a rookie. Uh, he had 1.02 the year before, which was, again, not good. So he early in his career, he was like a pretty impressive receiver. 1.53 as a rookie, pretty impressive. Um, but he has not really been an impressive receiver over the last two seasons. I just like he kind of makes starting to make me a little nervous. Like I don't think he's washed the way Delvin Cook is, but he he's makes me nervous. Someone is a, someone is a someone is a yeah Saquon stand in the, in the background there. And yeah, I, I, I think one there's thing, just an upside case. Or go ahead, go ahead, Connor. One thing, yeah, this is like more like human side me tilting. I had Saquon Barkley going into Week 17 in the finals last year. And the Giants scored, I, I think like they scored like five goal line touchdowns and he didn't get any of them. I was so mad. <laughs> who did who did? Just, Do you remember? Uh, Daniel Bellinger and random. Daniel Bellinger, Bellinger, Matt Breida, you know, just yeah. Right. It's, it's, uh, Lawrence uh, Gaither stuck in there. Um Sam, I guess do you part, wanna part, do you wanna bag but, defend Juju here? I, I actually do have some juju stats for later, but let me back let me back defend Barkley first. Oh, um I, I think with Barkley, the case and I get that his efficiency metrics were down last year. You know, looking at PFF rushing grade, he was still top 15 in that. And I think there is this element with the Giants where when their best, you know, pass hitting weapons are Richie James and Darius Slayton, that the offense can pretty much just zone in on Saquon Barkley is like really the only offensive threat in that entire offense. So you know, the Giants offense wasn't terrible last year, but there's certainly a lot of room for improvement. So I, I could see Barkley's efficiency just being a lot better next year if the offense is, is more capable. And again, like I, I, I'm more open to these, like this guy is washed or falling off arguments. If there's a legitimate threat in the backfield and they've done absolutely nothing to address that. So I don't know. Matt Breed is not walking into 10 touches a game or no. whoever. Is uh, top Wayne 15 Gallman rushing grade, is, is that all that good? I mean, it's out of 100 backs, he's top 15. So I, I don't know. Like, like and the, It's hard two, to say two-tree turn. Like, it's I, still, do, like, I do want to defend Barkley a little bit as well, just in terms of his rushing ability. Like he He's not a very consistent rusher, but he is still a breakaway threat. Like unlike Dalvin Cook, who was negative in rush yards over expected last year, which is pretty concerning. If it, you know he's supposed to still be yeah. the breakaway guy, Barkley was not. Barkley was sixth in the NFL in rush yards over expected, just behind Josh Jacobs. Um, he he was ahead of Derrick Henry. Like I think that part of his game still appears to be uh, there for him. Like he he's going to rip off some long runs, and yeah, who's gonna who's gonna eat into his workload? Like. But I do think, you know, if he's if you're like, how much is this guy really contributing to our offense? Like, how dynamic is he really? You know, that, that those questions are probably in the minds of Joe Shane right now. You know, like it, it doesn't make me feel great. Like, I would love him to be in the absolute prime of his career if he's on in a contract standoff with his team. Right. Yeah, I think that's the quotes. I mean, if you listen to Barkley quotes, it's like it's a very it's not like a, I'm going to hold out. I'm demanding more money. He's like, please, it would be nice, sir. If, like I maybe got paid a little bit like it's not like 
it doesn't sound contentious or confrontational. To Imagine how people. shitty it is for Barkley that that uh, that Gettleman got fired before he was up for a contract extension. Gettleman, oh, would, have Gettleman, Gettleman would have given that team the moon. Gettleman would have gave him five years, eighteen million, uh, you know, per year, fully guaranteed, no team out. He would have gotten he would have gotten the biggest running back contract in the modern NFL. You're completely right. All right, should we Bad. talk? Sad for our boy. I mean, dude, it's like everything that could possibly be a disaster for him is a disaster. He's hurt. Kendrick Bourne is playing his position. They're trying to sign DeAndre Hopkins. They're eliminating his position from the offense with with Gasicki anyways. Uh, It's just like every possible thing is being like, this guy should be drafted after Rondell Moore, and he's not. (laughs) Yeah, why isn't he? Why would you take him over Rondell Moore? Because uh, Clayton Toon's not a starting quarterback. What what I this is what I don't get was that last year I'm sitting here on Juju Island, right? Like, no, he's actually still like he he was good in the playoff game. He was never he was never as good as as it's it Ben's fault. He was. I, yeah, I just don't. It's like the the thing that really got me to be like I'm actually not reevaluating my stance. I'm not going to be Bayesian here. Is that this knee injury that he suffered in like week ten last year? is still bothering him mm. that guy like a uh, slot wide receiver with a knee injury still bothering him six months later strikes me as a, a... and I think the only reason yeah. he his his ADP is even here is because he goes in a range where wide receiver is dead I mean why like it's so it, it's just people who have three wide receivers and round nine or round ten and they're like I gotta get another wide receiver I, I agree with like pretty much all you said and I, I actually I'll give my Juju take. I, I'm definitely not above market on Juju. I agree with you, Davis. It's a it's a range where wide receivers are getting pushed up because uh, teams are desperate for wide receiver. There's been a huge drop off before that point. Um, I just think that like with Juju, we're punishing him for unrealistic high expectations last year when he's basically always been the same player of a wide receiver who was very good at beating zone defenses. He can't go out and beat man. Uh, and win down the field like we thought he could early in his career. You look at his metrics from last year, and it's just like a fine, competent wide receiver. Like yards per route run, 1.7. That's 36th of 100 qualifying receivers. 18% targets per route run. That's you know similar range to someone like Ayuk and Pittman. Uh, PFF receiving grade, 39th out of 100 qualifying receivers. Then half PPR points, 9.1. Again, 30, 38th out of 100 or so receivers. So he's he's just a guy and he's being drafted as wide receiver 50 as being like below just a guy and again it's not a range where i want to target wide receivers i think the 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 biggest thing is the health if we're concerned about his health then i think he should fall and not be drafted but i think like the juju sucks thing is just a little overblown because we were so hyped on him last year and he was just fine and like I didn't take are, really any of Juju last year. I was completely out. And uh, oh, must be here, must be nice. Must be here nice to tell to you win. he does suck. He does. Suck. Must be nice to <laughs> yeah, win two pretty, million dollars and not either. be all in on on Juju uh, shit poops or in Sky Moore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was in on Sky Moore. I wasn't on. twenty percent target for at run does sound like like there's something there. Didn't you say eighteen though? Eighteen's not good. Eighteen is like, so eight, like a eighteen's like a. Oh, it probably eight, depends eight. on the. The, the society uh, of his yeah. top 20. No, eight, 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 18, 18. 18% from, um, from PFF, including the playoff games. Um, but yeah, again, Tar- if the target for route run is a stat where you want to factor in ADOT to some degree. 
because you know what is a target worth right like a juju target with an eight out of 7.1 uh which was his highest since 2019 is not worth a ton in terms of yards after catch the way you know he's been he hasn't been explosive since like his second year in the league so if you're not earning targets at a high rate like with an eight out of 7.1 i want a targets per route run of like 24 percent like I don't want to be dealing with anybody under 20% there. It's just you can't you, – you're seven yards downfield and you can't earn targets at any kind of a high rate. You're earning targets like a tight end. Like, I, to me, I think he does suck. I think he he can do a certain thing for your offense, sometimes get open in the short area of the field. But as soon as someone else either emerges or signs with Hopkins there, mm-hmm. like he just – he has no real chance of, of – dictating volume it's it's all just dependent on is there literally no one else is he just kind of the one guy they can they can feed targets to underneath and in an inefficient offense and and one of his things was before when he was like a, a couple of years ago was that he did score touchdowns like yeah this is, that's this true def- definitely small sample size but three touchdowns for the kansas city chiefs last year is really bad well, look, they got to run their, you know, their merry-go-round play and like hand it off to Michael Burton. Like they, you know, they're, it's it's, it's, uh, it's 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 the, the un- Chiefs do score touchdowns. Yes, but believe they're it or extremely, not, they do score touchdowns, and the fact that he only got three of them isn't great. I mean, even Sky Moore, even Sky Moore scored one by accident in the Super Bowl. So I, I do think, like, I mean, just could Juju have switched spots with Tony like twice and just been like, hey, hey, Kadarius, you actually go stand <laughs> over there. Like in the huddle, Juju is submarine and Kadarius Tony because he doesn't know where he's supposed to be and Juju wants the <laughs> touchdown. So he goes and tells him to line up in the wrong spot. <laughs> Juju, what we learned is Juju has no dog. He has no willingness to steal stats from his teammates. Sad. <laughs> Yeah, I you know he's not he's not a great pick. This injury thing is the is probably the most concerning part, but um, we'll see we'll see with the Hopkins stuff. I do agree if Hopkins signs there, he's dropping to probably like one thirty one forty. Um, so that's where well I would least, yeah. You might as well at least wait that out with him. Have you guys um, have you guys psyoped yourself into taking Devontae Parker yet? Just with the logic of like he's a starting wide receiver in the NFL and he's there in the eighteenth round. I I've was literally close. about to sign up myself until the Hopkins stuff came along. Yeah. Oh, that actually made me sign up myself. Even he won't. Yeah. He's gonna get he won't be affected. I don't Maybe. think. I don't think he would be affected. I think Why? he'd still be the the boundary guy. I think they might. Would Orton be the boundary guy? I think Who? either Parker, either Parker, Either Parker or Bourne is probably going to get. If caught. they sign, if they sign DeAndre Hopkins, like Tyquan Thornton is not happening. I, you don't think Thornton would play over Parker? I think Bill loves his vets. And I think we've also psyoped ourselves with Thornton. Honest to God, I think the fantasy community has psyoped themselves into Thornton for three reasons. First reason, he was never expensive on DraftKings, so he was always easy to get in there. Second reason, he scored two touchdowns in his second game, and he, and people remember that, and he was on your team, and his points counted. And I think uh, if you remove any of those three factors – uh, he's uh, he's cheaper and and people care less about him. Yeah. The other thing about Parker is that he's he's somebody who literally like I hate playing the injury game, but like he is somebody who is literally always injured. Literally yeah. always. Yeah. So yeah. That, that could that could be the out for uh, for what's his name, um, type one. 
You've already forgot his name. I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very bad with names, so that's maybe not a. Yeah, the thing with Taekwon is he's now going in the Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims range, and why would I take a guy who was a second round pick in the NFL who I know was bad as a rookie versus a guy who was a second round pick in the NFL who might be good with Reed and Mims? So, it, and he was kind of he an was easy... pretty bad as a rookie. He was really that's bad. Fair yeah. to say, yeah. So I don't, I think the pri- I don't know at this point I think Thornton's fine he when he was 18th round free I, I liked it but now uh, I don't know I'm not really taking him let's talk let's talk some stacks uh, Connor curious what you how you've been uh, approaching your best ball drafts this offseason. we're looking here at week 17 game stacks with the most expensive teams on the left Kansas City Cincinnati all the way to Tennessee to Houston. Is there a particular week 17 game stack that you're targeting? Or are you even thinking about uh, week 17 as much as everyone else? Uh, curious how you're. Um, I, I mean, I never, I never go into to drafts with like, Oh, Hey, these are the, these are the stocks that I want. I, I, I try to like let it fall into place a little bit. And, but I do find that the one that I'm stacking up the most is the Washington uh, San Francisco game. And just because I think there are actually there is actually quite a lot of good players in that uh, in that game. Well, and it's so that, easy in ADP to get that game. Yeah. They all they all just fall together. You know, you you take you take McLaurin, then you take Ayuk. You know, you you take Dotson, then two picks later right. you take Eli Mitchell. It just it just falls. And I I, I am a hell intruder, so like I, I I do think he was really good in college. Uh, definitely encouraged by his uh, start last year. Um, so that, that, that's the one where I'm like, Oh, that, that, that one feels like, um, two, two, two teams where if you get them right, it really elevates your team in the regular season through to the playoffs. And then could be, could be a barn burner. Um, and then the rest of them, I, I kind of, what I do is just some kind of, kind of combination of like ADP value and like where, uh, where I think guys are good like early rounds and then I, I, I just try to fill out the blanks uh mid late rounds after that. Like on the I, Washington... I know that's not Okay, sorry. No, no, go ahead. On the Washington uh uh 49ers game, I love that one too. I've said my piece on Howell, so I won't dive into him, but I would encourage people to to play that through Purdy right now because I don't think that his price is gonna last. You know, you can get him still in the 14th round pretty much every time. And that's a reach. But it's like kind of one of those ranges where you're like, ah, I'll lock this up, secure it. 14, 15th round Purdy feels like we're, we're going to trend away from that, right? I think so. Like once there's more, more confidence, he's the starter. I mean, I think people are already assuming Howell's a starter and he's been hovering around pick 200 for a while. Whereas I think there's still people who believe Lance is going to come in and win that job. Lance still gets somehow. drafted. So. Lance Lance gets drafted ahead. I think it's flipped recently. It's flipped recently, but that, that was There's the case definitely still I mean, some drafts. There was people drafting Trey Lance at like pick 90 in uh, February and March. I'm and, aware. Uh, yeah, I remember that. We, I we, tried, we tried to warn them against that. Uh, no, I didn't. Did, I, I didn't. I didn't. I told them. I told them. <laughs> I told them draft Lance while you can. And uh, yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. 
Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You, you could, you could, uh, you, in the word, in the famous words of David kitchen, you know, you just never, you know. never know. You just never, you never know. know. Um, yeah. Anything else? So the one thing that, that jumps out to me here is the chargers Denver game, uh, getting, getting more expensive. And now is the second most expensive game after Casey San, uh, Cincinnati. It's not like a huge difference, right? Basically every game from chargers to Denver all the way through, I don't know, Washington, San Francisco is like similarly priced, but, um, it does strike me. I just, I don't know. I think I get flashbacks to, to Casey Denver last year and all the Denver stacks I uh, was building um, that we're starting to believe in in Denver again is is maybe a little bit scary. That said, I think Denver players are still fairly priced and I'm drafting them, but uh, um, that one did stand out to me. Do you guys ever take Tim Patrick? Yeah, when I take Russ. Yeah. Because I t- I, you can do, I you don't. can do, you can take Eckler in the first round, or you can take Keenan. And if you miss out on Herbert, you can you you don't have to take Judy, you don't have to take Sutton. You can take Russ, then you can take Dulcich, and then you can take Mims or Patrick. Yep. Didn't Tim have Patrick have that ACL tear? Yeah, I mean the, the market. Tear. The market is the completely disregarding. Though. The market is completely disregarding ACL tears because Brees Hall is running back eleven, so it just doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, I thought there was a thing where, like, the quality of how athletic they are is really is, important yeah. for the and for age matters. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he maybe maybe I'm like discounting him too much as an athlete, but like somebody who's like kind of like an not not the elite NFL athlete. Sounds like would should have a much harder time recovering from a tear than a. I mean, Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup said eight months into his ACL recovery, he couldn't walk. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it feels it feels like we've maybe gone too all in on the modern medicine, bro. These guys, they're back better than ever. Like, I, I get it. Like Tim Patrick could very easily be KJ Hamler. We're like, we, I mean, KJ Hamler talking about Denver wide receivers coming back from an ACL tear. We, we, I don't, did he even play? I mean, I don't even remember KJ Hamler accruing any statistics for all my dead KJ Hamler teams. It is helpful that Patrick tore in the preseason, though. <laughs> yeah, he, sure. he'll be over a year removed from the ACL. When did KJ Hamler tear his ACL? In season, right? Twenty twenty one. God damn, dude. I drafted so much KJ Hamler and he had seven fucking catches last year. That is so Hey, that's that's six more than Jamison Williams. How many how re- many did Albert how many did Albert O have? <laughs> the reason I'm I'm semi in on Patrick and then I'll mix him in on correlated stuff and just my 18th round pick is that he has a dead cap hit of over ten million dollars this year. Um they, they signed really him to can't. a huge contract extension, then he tore his knee. Yeah. So you really can't cut him. Uh, I no. think they can cut him technically and they'll eat like 10 million in dead cap and save like less than a million. So if he's like atrocious, maybe they would cut him, but I think he's going to be on the roster. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think you have like Cortland Sutton has really been speaking of ACL tears, another guy tore his ACL and seemingly never recovered. Um, maybe that's an argument for Patrick or against it, but. Man, Sutton has not looked great the past couple of years. I, I think the athleticism he had early in his career is is maybe sort of passed him by. Where I, I could see Patrick just forcing his way onto the field at the expense right. of Sutton if Sutton just doesn't have anything left. So I think it's a fine. He it's could a fine be an eight, around there. the eighteen guy that catches two touchdowns in week seventeen. Like that. Yeah, he's a big. That feels dude, very right? possible. Yeah. yeah. 
when he's been healthy, they have always liked to play him and get him on the field. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I just we'll, know, I just know this ends with Jared Stidham throwing three touchdowns to Adam Troutman in week 17. <laughs> like there's just no other, there's no other way it can go. <laughs> I hate that. Troutman on the Troutman's on the Broncos. Yeah, he, he, came, he, he, he came over. He came over with his guy, Sean Payton. Sean Payton also brought over Tony Jones. It's like he's bringing over really the the worst they, of the worst from New Orleans. He's just whipping off the cream and the crap from that roster. I mean, just wait, wait for them, town. wait for them to cut Russ and for him to trade a second round pick for Taysom Hill. Like, just yeah. you just <laughs> Russ, for Taysom, Russ for Taysom straight up. Who says no? <laughs> the Saints. The Saints say no so <laughs> fast. Say no real hard. <laughs> uh, it's moving on so to. Uh, I, I, I wanted to make a point. I wanted to make a point on the Eagles, which is that we all sort of week seventeen stuff is clearly baked into ADP. All of that is true. Uh, people clearly are are factoring that in. I mean, what is what is the spread in the total? of that game going to be if Kyler Murray does not come back at any point, if Clayton Toon or Colt McCoy is quarterbacking that game. I mean, it could be, it could be a spot where the Eagles are up 21 zero at half. And like, you could, you could see a story where like Jalen hurts post this monster season, the deep, the, all the things we say are coming true. The Eagles defense is a little bit worse. The, the Eagles pass catchers are, are get more volume and retain their efficiency, you know, AJ Brown has like a 30% advance rate as a first round pick. It's like something we've never seen before. And, and Eagle stacks are so common in the final and Jalen Hurd scores 18. AJ Brown scores 15. Dallas Goddard gets 11 and Boston Scott scores two one yard touchdowns. And all these teams are dead as shit in the final. All right, Davis, I need you to open your third eye here because, uh, okay. One thing, all right. Okay. Opening it. It's zipped. The it's Giants open. play the, the Eagles play the Giants in week 18. Okay. So heading okay. into the Cardinals game against Clayton Toon. Boston oh my Scott God. I ice. love the way this is going. Boston Scott's on ice. So he, <laughs> they can't use him. They they need their giant killer fresh. Okay. So okay. You get you get the Eagles just roll the, you know, Devonta Smith catches a touchdown. Jalen Hurts rushes in one. You know, uh uh Rashad Penny scores a touchdown. But then second half, DeAndre Swift. Averaging a 15% snap share, just gets thrown oh. out there, scores three touchdowns to salt away the game. Week well, 17, so that the was, guy you needed. That wasn't exactly the way I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go with basically the, the Eagles effectively rest their starters as 15 and a half point favorites against the Cardinals. But that would mean DeAndre Swift going nuts if the yes. starters if the starters are resting. <laughs> yeah. So so we got we got to the same place eventually. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I just opened my third and fourth eyes to DeAndre Swift. This is who you need in Week 17. <laughs> the, pro, the other thing, uh, Davis, with your story is that you know that that general narrative of the Eagles just absolutely destroying a team in the first half and playing their backups in the second half. They basically did that all of last year, and the Eagles players still got there. So that's almost like the baseline. Uh, but they weren't. They weren't. They weren't on the teams that they were not the guys you needed in Week 17 last yeah. year. The Eagles. Well, that was hurts. Probably hurts getting injured. But I see what you're saying. The I Eagles played the I think Giants. They just played bad in Week 17 last year. They did. They did. Did Hurts even? Play? I, I, I had a lot played. of uh, Eagles receivers, yeah. and they just no. Min, the Minshew was just bad. Oh no! That was the game against the Saints where they sucked. They were yeah. awful. 
the whole yeah. team played shit. They, yeah, okay, all right, I gotta go look this. Yeah, up. all the I'm tweets sure. where people said that like Minshew and Jalen, there's zero difference between Minshew and Jalen Hurts. People deleted all yeah. those after that. Game. Okay, uh, no, they were yes, they were the New Orleans Saints. They scored ten points. They scored ten points. It was uh, they did. They did nothing. Gardner Minshew was eighteen to thirty-two. Uh, there was one passing touchdown, and it was to a- AJ Brown had four for ninety-seven on a touchdown. Devonta had nine for one fifteen. Miles Sanders, who was a huge win if you took him last year, pretty high advance rate player. Uh, Twelve for sixty-one, no targets, so six points for Miles Sanders in the final. I I do think that these kind of things can be useful in that, like when you look at actual games, like because think things are decided by one game, or sorry, like by singular games in week seventeen, like yes. how wild and like weird they can be. Oh like, yeah. Like, I, not not that, like, who knows what could happen. Like, could be anything. You just don't but know. You just don't we know. We just don't know. Um, but you take I, I, that, that away is from the remembering. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, the, speaking of people resting their, their starters in Week 17, the, Week 17 was so fucked last year. Derrick Henry and the entire Titans, like, starting offenses. Don't even, play. don't even, no. Don't, we can't even talk about Derrick Henry resting in Week 17. <laughs> not Dude, I had him on, I had him on one of my, my BBM finals bullets and I had my, my final team as well. Absolutely brutal. Um, so yeah, we just, we just don't know. Uh, that's why you take Malik Willis. Uh, he's going to be starting week 17 this year. Oh my God. Can you imagine if Malik Willis, like a Phoenix rises from the ashes to be relevant in fantasy <laughs> football? But that, that does, I think that does raise the question of like, who, who are the, who are the teams where like you, you get this super cheap stack late and it, it doesn't matter all year, and then week seventeen, there's just this freak game where the Patriots, the team. Patriots are the team, right? Where Patriots where Ken- is a really good one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Panthers that's, would that's be one I'd nominate one. as well. Oh my god, yeah. Texans, like, Texans, Texans, Tex- Titans. It's one of the four. Okay, yeah. I mean, we're really getting into nerddom here, but 2023 is an El Nino year, so the weather is going to be nuts <laughs> anywhere coastal. It's going to be insane. So a lot of these outdoor games, I mean, uh, people also have memory wiped this, but week 16 last year, not week 17, but week yeah, 16, yeah. there was a polar vortex across the United States. There were games, there were multiple games with totals at like 32. All these outdoor games were like ruined. They were like, they were like, no one scored any points. There was no forward passes. Imagine if that happened in week 17, how different the context would have been, you know, and that Texans Titans game is indoors. I don't know. I'd yeah. say it's it's you know you just you just never know. But it's something it's I do think point. about a lot. Right. I think about it a lot. Yeah. Like maybe maybe the fact that it's in indoor outdoor just won't matter this year. Now, what, how does the El Nino fa- thing factor in? Is that because it, it means extra, the weather will be mild? It'll be no a mild no winter. the opposite. It means precipitation is nuts. It means it it causes it causes across the U.S. Okay. I thought it was like a milder winter. No, well, so the temperatures will be higher. The temperatures have the possibility to be higher, but it causes crazy precipitation. So we could have extra snow, extra hail, extra rain in a lot of these out, especially mm. the coastal games. There could be <laughs> like for it could be precipitation for us. Well, like so. Do you remember that crazy bear? A lot of our listeners have never been outside, Pat. So it's actually. <laughs> yeah, <good> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, do you remember? Do you remember the Bears 49ers game in Week One last year? Lance versus yeah, Fields, dude. and there's yes. Literally, I mean, imagine, imagine if you it. draft, imagine if you draft a stack and you're like, these dudes can't even see. We got Justin Fields slipping. It's like, 
it's yeah. gonna like weather weather has the possibility to ruin best ball mania four you know or just completely skew the results like some super high advance rate stack passing stack uh you know chiefs Bengals gets played and it's 47 degrees and there's driving rain like that game sucks for fantasy yeah so what do we do just take only dome games it- I, I target a lot of dome games. I take I take like CJ Stroud, John Mechie, Nico Collins at the end a lot. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I unironically take a lot of guys playing in domes or retractable roof spots. Hmm. Or to South, smart. would that work too? Like Southern games, it it games? works for it won't get it won't be cold obviously, but it would be it could be really rainy. Which is a I mean, this is like this is like the 900th level of things to think about in terms <laughs> of like winning fantasy football. But it is it is something I've been in the it is in the back of my mind. Hayden Hayden's here to back us up on this one. So um. yeah, I, the, Hayden was the originator of this last off season. He was the first guy to to do the close your eyes. Imagine it's 17 degrees across the United States of America, and all the outdoor games have. Yeah, and it was the week before. He totally blew it. He totally went, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he totally, Hayden, dude, he doesn't get it, bro. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, so it's tough to like. Which are the dome games? Uh, the I don't know. Seventeen. That I, I, know. I, got, I got it. I got it pulled up. These are. Uh, I almost. I did. I typed up a Twitter thread on this the other day, and I was like, you know what? This is actually too virgin for Twitter. Like, this is this is better for ADP chasing. This isn't a good <laughs> thread. Um, one second. I gotta go. I gotta go find it. Okay. I so think the indoor Las Vegas, Indianapolis, right? It's Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Texans. Um, it is Raiders, Raiders, Colts, and Packers, Vikings are the indoor games. There's only four. Uh, Those are all really, like affordable games. Yes. If you really want to get into the weeds, technically the Seahawks game is kind of domed. They, it is it is half domed. It prevents about 70% of the precipitation from getting into the field mm. because it's in Seattle. And so if it was all the way open, the seats would basically rust every single year and they'd have to replace mm. them. So maybe that helps a little bit, but that's, that's what my research turned up. Okay. I mean, Titans. So on this chart again, Titans Houston stands out as like by far, like you could take, well, Derek Henry obviously is expensive and Damian Pierce is somewhat, but you could take like six Tennessee Houston pass catchers, I don't even know who you take on Tennessee, to be honest. That's probably a bad strategy, but McConquo. like you could stack. I mean, you could take. You Burks could take. Okonkwo. Yeah, Burks Okonkwo, and then grab two or three Houston pass catchers. It's not. You could do it uh, like very easily. Um, the and the thing is, is like those could be good picks, anyways. Like the Houston right. picks specifically. Like if 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 um, Stroud is like a, a C plus B minus quarterback, anyway. Those could like you could have a huge win anyway with this week 17 spot of like this awful, like two bad defenses playing against each other. Now, obviously the head coaches of these teams are like very much like, you know, Damian Pierce and Derek Henry are combining for 47 touches in that game, regardless of whatever happens, but they could be good picks anyway. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I like those cheap offenses. You can stack up for, for nothing with your last couple picks. What were the other what? dome games again? Dallas uh, Detroit. Line, Dallas Detroit is the one that I'm like when I get that when I when I start like sometimes I'll start St. Brown Pollard just for the vibes or something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, but just like 
you know, you take, you take, you get CD, you get whoever, you take Dak, you take Laporta, you take Montgomery. You're just like, ooh. You can babe. get Gibbs in there I, too. You can get, you just, it feels so good, man. You're yeah. like, uh, it's just like, I, I got the winning ticket right here. Jameson Williams maybe catching like his sixth and seventh passes of the year in week 17. <laughs> Damn, you're a bull, huh? He takes him to the head. <laughs> yeah, that's if you project his stats from last year, it's really hard to get to six or seven, but there's a lot you of can get him, you can get him, you can get him to fantasy pat. Yeah, you can get him to 16 targets uh, yeah. with like eight touchdowns. So uh, all right. All right, Should Sam, we... you have to go. Do we do we want to keep vibing or do we want to get out of here? I think I think we should uh, let's give our best value takes uh, unless any any other uh, I'll, I'll open it up uh, any last comments on on stacks Connor I'll I'll give you uh, the floor here you haven't been talking about uh, you know as much as we have so any any other stacks that you want to uh, give the people um let me see I I um so talk about Washington. Um, I wish that one was inside. Yeah. <laughs> Undraftable now that it's outside. Now that I found uh, it. See, Seattle, uh, that, that one looks fun as well. Um, where, like, they're one of those teams where they actually have a good few good players. And people say, oh, no, you can't take them. They have too many good players. Oh. And, like, okay, well, what if the offense is just good then? Um, yeah. G- Gino, Gino. Yeah, what if the offense is just good, Sam? Does that make you nervous at all? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, betting on uh, Geno Smith having two years in a row as always. Uh, okay, I got I got some people. breaking I got some breaking news. Alex Spielman on Twitter reports I've seen mentioned that this should be a super El Nino year. I thought <laughs> you were about to like, I thought you were gonna break that like DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> signing. <laughs> <laughs> super El Nino. What Super El Nino. That means that means every week seventeen game turns into Justin Fields sliding down the field like an airplane. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm drafting more Lions. Mm-hmm. All right, Colts. Let's do Colts. Best. I draft a lot of Anthony Richardson. That's in a dome, right? Yep, that's in a dome. I died. Okay. All right, Connor. We do this every week. Uh, give our best closing line values by August. Uh, which player is going to have the biggest gain in closing line value? Who is your Who is your pick? Uh, can I, I'm I'm not prepared, so can somebody? Okay, else someone else. I'll go. I'll go someone first. Save I, save I got one. I got one. I haven't used this one yet. Kenneth Gainwell. When it just when it becomes clear when everyone when everyone's third eye opens, I think I used realize, that one last week. Use that one. Okay, I will yeah. use. Uh, I, yeah. che- I cheated. Uh, I will use Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice will get to training camp. He'll get, and people will be like, oh, yeah, he's better than Sky Moore. So let's let's do Rashi Rice. Can I go? Yeah, go for it. Because mine's Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore. Hey, one of us is going to be right. Oh, man. Well, you so can have Sky- a direct influence on this by how much you hype him up throughout the offseason, too. So this might be like insider trading. So listen. <laughs> that's that's partly true, but I don't think people are going to listen to me again on Sky Moore. So, so we're going to need to find some someone who didn't scout uh, tout Sky Moore last year, which is going to be hard to find because the whole industry was basically in on him, and then he yeah. completely busted. The uh, front page of the Kansas City Chiefs team page on the Athletic right now is a picture of don't, Sky Moore we wearing number twenty four, which is still terrible. Please change your number. And the title <laughs> is the young Chiefs player who is impressing Patrick Mahomes. 
you click into the article, there's a section. It's about, ju- it's, it's about Justin Ross. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, set, the, the first uh, mini section is called More Appears to be Ascending. It's talking about how he basically is the favorite for the Juju Smith-Schuster role. I think the fact that we are still drafting Juju Smith-Schuster. Wow, the uh, favorite for the Juju Smith-Schuster role. Blowing me away. I know. But look. Wow, that really know, like the sound of that. We know how gross this range is at wide receiver. There's like usually a couple teams in the draft that are sort of desperate for a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Uh, if they have a gross wide receiver four, it's just a natural part of the board for a, a wide receiver with buzz to be able to jump up a couple rounds. So I'm taking him right now in the 10th round, but I can see him, him rising to that I eighth round him. range pretty easily. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I don't I, like yeah. it, but I do take him. Yeah. I'll take him stacks. I don't know. I still like, maybe I'm wrong about this. I still like Rasheed Rice better just because of what happened last year with Sky. But that gap is getting bigger. I guess it's just because of off-season kind of hype stuff um, around Sky versus Rasheed. But I don't hate it. I mean, one one of these Kansas City receivers is is way too cheap, right? Right. They they have to be. Well, we that was sort of the thesis last year, and none of them were. Yeah, that's true. Fuck. I thought I learned that lesson. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll give mine. Um, I'm gonna go with. Um, deciding between two Green Bay pass catchers. I'm going to go with uh, Jaden Reed. I almost chose Luke Musgrave, but I don't think people are, are really ever going to buy into rookie tight end. So I'll go with Jaden Reed. I just think that, you know, the the Romeo Dub stuff, I guess you can, it depends, you know, it's a glass half full situation. You can look at his rookie year and say he got on the field. I, almost, I almost chose Romeo Dubs. Yeah, and I know that there's you know smart people that that are into him, and you know I listen there's, to. There's good people on both sides. There's good people on both sides of the Romeo Dubs debate, but man, I don't know. I think just the signal of them taking Jaden Reed in the second round um, kind of shows to me they weren't that happy with what Dubs did last year, and I don't think it's a signal about Watson, uh, given how well he played. Down the stretch, Dubs like rookie year stats are they're totally. Who would fine. their third? Who would their third wide receiver have been if they? I I I'm gonna I'm gonna be a pedant here because who would their third wide receiver have been if they didn't take Jaden? Yeah, I don't know Samari Torre. Yeah, or something like, like that, it would have been right? a, it would have been right. a, it would have been a no one. It, it would have been a nobody, which which is fair, but it's still second round draft capital for Jaden Reed versus fourth round draft capital for Romeo Dubs, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna break the tie in in favor of the draft capital and. Dubs's rookie year was like just on the margin of like you could squint at it and be like that was pretty good, but I, for a guy who was day three draft capital, I'm kind of just believing that they don't really think they they found something in Dubs besides just you know a fine third wide receiver to have on the roster. I, I don't think he's anything special, so um, I'm I'm team Jaden Reed over Romeo Dubs, especially when there's a three round gap in their ADPs. Like I just. I just don't get that with the draft capital that went for those guys. A, a lot of the, uh, the the closing line value, it, it, it can often be like some rookie who is going late and like you go to training camp and they just have this constant buzz of this guy looks great, this guy looks amazing. Um, and yeah. I, you probably have more likelihood of that happening for uh, for Reed than um, from Dan Dubs. 
Um, so I I did. Uh, thank thank you for uh, for taking up the airtime. I did uh, I did find uh, my pick. Um, so I'm going for Rashid Rashid Shahid. Um, oh, that just, is a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Because like the I guess the argument in favor of him. So he was he was the NFL equivalent of a walk on last year of like completely undrafted. I can't even remember the name of the where he went to college. And then for uh, for weeks uh, weeks fourteen through eighteen. He actually, uh, Gordon Rodovis, had like an 88% route share. Like, hmm. so the, the highest on the team. And then, uh, like, somewhat low sample size, only 82 routes, but uh, three yards per route run. And, like, he's going at what? We'll pick 160. And, like, that's that's kind of the range where, like, you're not really, you're not really talking as much about starting wide receivers. And, the other out you have there is um, it's August third, and it's M- Michael Thomas is almost ready to practice. He's almost ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow! Wow! It's coming. Like we're gonna yeah, get he'll practice any day now. Out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome stuff, guys. Uh, what do we have going on this week at Legendary Upside, Pat? Uh, I'm working on a article that I'm hoping to get out midweek this week on success rate. I've mentioned it a million times. Uh, I'm going to actually publish the article on it now. Um, got underdog rankings, got DraftKings rankings, uh, got dynasty rankings that I collaborate with Davis and Jacob Sanderson on. Um, so yeah, check out legendary upside. Those, you can still get $30 off your first year at legendaryupside.com slash early. Those uh, two hour podcasts were, were really great. Listen to those over the weekend with, uh, we got a couple Davis more and Jacob. Yeah, couple, we got, couple we, more. We, probably, we might even, we might even knock two out this week. We'll see. Uh, got that coming. Um, yeah, I, I need to, uh, I need to, um, go. I need to tweak a couple things in mine. Got to move Kyle Pitts up and Mark Andrews oh, up. Yeah. Both them, both right. them were too low in my initial mm. one. So I'll, I'll get updated. And I, I've been working on underdog rankings uh this week as well so i need to get those finalized awesome connor what about you anything uh i know you're busy with other stuff these days but any wrote wrote of his articles or research you're working on these days or um it i'm not i'm not sure when it's going to come out and but we'll start to work on ffpc stuff um nice had had a lot of ffpc stuff like where where the main advantages on ffpc and last year one of the big things no shock to anyone you do really have to prioritize the, the tight ends, and uh, we'll probably update that with uh, the new new lower prices. Same thing with quarterbacks. Um, I, I guess just most of most of the content is about underdogs. So trying to to fit a FFPC uh, niche and uh, yeah. best ball. And um, but yeah, uh, we'll have to uh, get through some stuff in uh, in work before I uh, get that out. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, thanks for joining us again. Uh, Connor, that was a ton of fun. Uh, We will be back next Monday for Connor, for Davis, for Pat. This is Sam. We'll be back next week. See you guys.